Yeah, so this morning, um, really, I just had on my heart to uh, talk about something. I actually uh, talked about this same passage, I guess, two or three years ago. But uh, God really uh, was challenging me, talking to me through this passage. And I believe it's actually a word for now, for the circumstances we live in. Because, um, you know, we're all facing different things in this lockdown uh, different people with different challenges. Uh, you know, I've shared some of the challenges that Cheryl and I have been facing in recent weeks with with my mum, with Cheryl's brother, uh, and there's several things more than that that we haven't really shared. So we're all going through stuff. We all face stuff at di different times. And, you know, if I look back, one of the things that I remember, um, you know, at various points in my life, I felt quite low. I felt disillusioned, discouraged, disappointed. Things weren't going as I expected. Things weren't working out. And I couldn't see an end to things. Well, thankfully, you know, this week, maybe we'll start to see an end to things with, uh, you know, the announcements that we've had about the vaccine and so on. Uh, but we all go through times, don't we, where you can't see how it's gonna, you're going to ever come out the other side of them, how you're going to go through that valley and come out at the other end where where's the light at the end of the tunnel and it's and, it, and if you're feeling like that right now or you can connect with that sort of feeling then that's what i'm going to talk about this morning i'm going to look at a couple of psalms i'm going to start with psalm 84 so if you want to find in your bible psalm 84 uh, and i'll just read you a few verses from that um Really well-known verses, uh, well, at least some of them have. Uh, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my body cry out for the living God. The sparrows found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, and they continually praise you. Now this is where I, I want to really uh, focus down on verses 5 and 6. Blessed them is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart are the paths to Zion. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with pools and they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears in Zion before God. And it's at uh, this place called the Valley of Baca that I just want to uh, really uh, talk about and share about. This th this place that is mentioned in that psalm, you could easily skim over it and go, well, yeah, I don't know where that place is, don't know what we're meant to do with it. But the Valley of Baca was actually an awful place. It was dry, it was arid, nothing much grew there. It was, it was a real death hole. It was just horrible. But... Many people on journeying to Jerusalem had to go through this valley to get to Jerusalem. So basically they had to go through this horrible wilderness sort of place to get to Jerusalem where they, they would go to worship. Now, the word Baca itself actually means the place of weeping or misery. I mean, like you don't want to be called that, do you? I mean, like, you know, when Shaul and I were thinking of a name for our house, we didn't think, oh, let's call it the place of weeping or misery. Um, and the Latin version of, of, of the scriptures translates it as the valley of weeping. 
And, you know, it was a sterile place. It was a devoid of water. It was a gloomy place. And there was no life there. And so, biblically and imagery-wise, it's come to stand for a place of crisis, a place of pain, a place of despair. Um, many people talk about the Valley of Baca as kind of an emotional desert. And so that's, that's its connection to what many of us are going through now or have been through, and maybe some of us are, are facing in the future. But the point of this, this valley is that it was commonly passed through on the way to worship. And whilst it's the, you know, the, it conjures up these ideas of this, this place in our life that, that we all of us encounter, God never made this particular place a destination. The destination that everybody went to was always on the other side. And that, that place of crisis, that valley of weeping, that emotional desert, that time of dryness with God, you know, when we, we can't quite get our relationship together with him, that, that uh, moment of crisis or pain or dryness, all of those are not a destination. They are a place we pass through on the way to our destination. You see... God doesn't uh, deliberately cause aridness. He doesn't cause dryness. He doesn't cause pain or crises or whatever in your life. The enemy does that. He's the one who comes to steal, kill and destroy. But the, the truth is that often our destiny lies on the other side of that valley. The place of blessing, the place of life, the place of freedom, the place of joy often lies on that other side of the valley. So therefore, we have to pass through the valley, pass through that place of, of uh, uh, what's called the Valley of Weep, and we go through it. The enemy sends it, but God takes us through it, and he brings us out the other side. What's the point I'm making? The point I'm making is if you were going through something like this at the moment, or you've been through something like this, what I want to say to you is don't let misery don't let disappointment, don't let hurt, don't let offence, don't let those pain be where you settle. They are never intended to be a permanent dwelling place. And if and, and so many people at Chevrolet of I have tried to help over the years, they've kind of got stuck in that place. They, it's become the destination of their life. It's become somewhere they've settled. Their past has become their identity, where God says, you are a new creation, you have a new identity. All things are made new, and, and they're made new every single day. Your future is brighter than your past. Your future is not determined by your past. But so many people settle in this place of misery, pain, crisis, uh, desperation, emotional desert, and they settle there, they stick there, and it becomes a permanent destination, and they never move on from it. And I'm encouraging this morning that if you found yourself there, it's time to go through the valley and not stay in the valley. So let's have a look at again at that sound, verses 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and body cry out for the living God. So when you're in this valley, when you're in this, this, this place called Baca, this emotional desert, um, one of the things that you will experience is this sense that, that, that God is there somewhere. That 
you need to uh, almost like reach for God, but you can't quite get to him. And it, it doesn't seem to, that you can make the connections. And the reason that you you are experiencing that, but at the same time are stuck in, in that place called Baca, is that your soul is meant to hunger for God. It was made that way to be hungry for God. And it's sustained by the presence of God and the love of God. And when it uses that word longs, my soul longs. I mean, just what a wonderful word. What an amazing phrase. My soul longs. My mind, my will and emotions. Everything in me is longing for you, Lord. Uh, and that word lo longs, in the, in the original language, it meant um, I'm, I'm growing pale and weak with a longing to be in a different place. I long to be with you, God. I long to be in that place with you. And when it says my heart and flesh cry out, that that's um, everything within us when we're in that place is crying out for that place of rest, that place of communion with God. So how do we get from where we are? How do we move beyond being stuck? How do we move beyond setting up our home, setting up our tent, settling in that place where it becomes a permanent dwelling place and our past dictates our future and our present? Our past should never dictate our future and it certainly shouldn't dictate our presence. So how do we move on? How do we move on from there? Well, here's the first thing. Here's the first hint. When you're there, determine that it will not be a permanent place. You know, none of us choose deliberately to make this, these things a permanent place. However, kind of by inertia, by just gradual acceptance, they become permanent places. So you have to set your mind that you are not going to make a permanent place out of the things that you are going through or have been through. And it's not permanent and all God's people will pass through if they set their eyes on him, because they go through the valley to get to the place of worship. And the point here, the point that the psalmist is making, the point, well, the point that David is making, is it doesn't last forever. So don't give up on God when you're in that place. You see, part of the problem that, that we have is that there is a, a tendency or a kind of reaction where when things aren't going right, when we, things are difficult, when we don't seem to be coming through, people give up on God. And that is the last thing you should do. The, the, the very first thing you should do is run to God, turn to him, let those longings of your heart reach to him. Because what this psalm tells us is that the man whose strength is in God is blessed. So we need to find our strength in God. And that, that's the first step, determining that we are going to find our strength in God, not in ourselves and not from our circumstances. Because not only are there blessings for you beyond the valley, there are also blessings for you in the valley. There are good things in the valley. And, and you go, well, how is that? How's what? Well, the, the reality is that when we are so focused on the stuff that's keeping us in the valley, we miss all the good things that are happening around us and we miss uh, our own ability to bless others and help others and care for each other and, and look after each other. So in the Valley of Baca, there were blessings. 
if you kept your eyes on God. So that, that the first thing is, is when you're there, determine that you're not going to make it a permanent dwelling and look for the blessings around you and determine you're going to be a blessing. The second thing is that as you go through this place, you have an effect on the place. You make it a better place. Let's have a look at verse 6. As they, pass, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain covers it with pools. Now, you remember I said this was a place of aridness, a place of dryness, devoid of water. It was gloomy. It was a sterile environment. But God's people are not meant to leave places or moments in time the same way as we went into them. And God's people can affect this, this sense, God's people can affect this gloominess. So it's not just a case of surviving and going through. It's also a case that you can make it a better place as you're going through. You can affect what is around you. And, and it's so important that we realise that, that our attitude is, I've gone, I know I'm going through this, I know that this is difficult, but I'm going to affect what is around me. I'm going to make a difference to what is around me. I'm going to change some things about what is around me. And the truth is that when we do that, we will come out stronger on the other side than we ever were before we went into that time. You know, so many of us have got this place where we've settled and made the past and things that have happened our permanent dwelling. And the truth is, that's never God's purpose. God's purpose is always that we would pass through, but also that we would be a blessing in such a way that we come out stronger than when we went into that. And it's not, you know, not coming out of it handicapped but coming out of it stronger so so we look for the things that have given us strength and we thank God for the strength that he has given us the strength that he has put in us and you know when we we have these times of, of misery of of um how would you put it have pain uh you know sometimes we have to battle for healing the devil puts you uh Th through all that sort of stuff but what will happen if we go into that with the right attitude is that we will see a display of God's power in answer to our cries for him in answer to the longings of our soul you know I, I know it's always easier looking back when you've come through some stuff than it was when you were there so we need to know these things about what to do in this valley, this place of misery. And become faith people. I talked about that last week, didn't I? But becoming faith people, not just people who, who give up and die because of what's going on in their life or what has already happened in life. But faith people who come through and see things turn around. You know, you can't have a testimony without a test. You can't have a victory without a battle. We, we are destined to be people who see things turning around. You know, a lot of people come say, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard. And I, I, I do that myself sometimes. I find myself, I catch myself going, this is just too hard, it's too hard. And then I realise, you know, when, whenever I get like that, God's he's not soft with me. So when I get like that, he drops this thing into my heart and we go, God, it's so difficult, it's so hard. Why is it so hard? And he goes, because as my child, you're anointed for hard. You're anointed to see this through. You're anointed to win the battle. You're anointed to come out of the test with a testimony. 
And that's how this is. I mean, we, we not only go through, but we affect what is around us. And in verse 7 it says, They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears in Zion before God. So what, what do we do there? Basically that's saying that as you go through, as you realise that there, there is stuff going on that you can affect, you can make the devil sorry for putting you through that in the first place. You know, there's the scripture, isn't there, that says that he has to give back seven times what he's taken. And so let's have that seven times back of what he's taken. Let's let's claim that, let's tell, let's proclaim that and let's pray it out before God that he gives us back more than he's taken. Let's make him sorry he messed with the child of God. So what, how do we do that? Where do we go from there? Well, how do you go from strength to strength? Well, what was the secret that David discovered of how to go from strength to strength in a place of misery? Well, let's go to a, another psalm, Psalm 42. Go with me to Psalm 42. And I'm going to read uh, again famous verses. Uh, it begins with, the, the, you probably see the first verse already. It's, the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants and yearns for you, O God. And that, that's that, that thing that I said earlier. We are meant to long for God. We are meant to hunger for God. We're meant to yearn for God. But here's the part I want you to see. So reading from verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and with the multitude that kept pilgrim feast. So why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, my soul, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So what, what's, what's, what's he doing here? He's remembering things that he's been through and lived through in the past and the victory that came in the end. So when you're in Baca, when you're in that place of misery, when you're in that down place, there's going to be a lot of people who think their call in life is to, to talk you out of believing God. And I know that's the kind of not a happy thing to say, but it is nevertheless the thing we've experienced. There's a lot of people who will want to just empathise and sympathise with the fact that you're failing and you're struggling and, and that it hurts. And they're going to say, you know, they're there, they're there. And they're going to say, oh, well, you know, the, these things are just, they just are. And, you know, people come out with so much rubbish. And, and what they want to do is... The, the, they, they kind of want to talk us out of believing God. Why? Because our faith challenges their faith. And so, you know, we, we want to be people who believe God and encourage each other, not talk each other out of believing God. And, and the truth is, these people who talk you out of believing God, they're primarily unbelievers and their minds, the God of this world's blinded their minds. They don't understand the way you think. They don't understand the way faith people think. And, and, it, and it's foolishness to them. You know, 2 Corinthians tells us that. But also sometimes you're going to find believers, people who call themselves believers, people who call themselves Christians, who are going to talk you out of your own faith. And they're going to come out with things that sound great. Like, well, you never know what God's going to do. God's, 
God's sovereign, he just does it here and he does it there and we can't understand any of it. And sometimes he'll do this and sometimes he won't and we can't understand. But we just have to trust that it all works out for some sort of greater good that we never ever see. And maybe God's trying to teach you something. Well, if God's trying to teach you something, you need to learn something and you need to know what he's trying to teach you. So many people come out with that. Well, maybe God's trying to teach me something. Well, what is he trying to teach you? You can't just have a random thing. If God's trying to teach you something, you would know exactly what it is, in which case I advise you to respond straight away. But most of the time we use that and we use it as kind of religious thing and we come out with it in churches right across this nation and there is no faith in that at there is no belief in the covenant promises of God and as I said last week we are faith life and not doubt life we are faith people and we need to rise up take that level of our experience up to the level of the word of God and, and stand in faith and not let people talk us out of our faith with this this sort of uh, stuff that they come out with look what look what um, the, the psalmist said uh, and again it, it's uh, Psalm 42 verse 10 as with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. In other words, he's saying that they're all getting at me. It's kind of really painful. It's like, it's like you know, my I'm, I'm buckling under the weight and my bones are cracking under the weight of all this stuff that they're bringing. My enemies reproach me and they say to me all day long, where is your God? Where's your God? Why is he not coming through for you? Why is this not happening? And here's the thing, I'm sure that has already happened to you many times in your life because it's happened many times to me, happened many times to Cheryl and I've, I've seen it and witnessed people say that so many times to other people. Where is your God? If, you, if this God is real, where is he? And this is the advice from the psalm. Ignore people who talk like that. Ignore people who talk like that. It's not going to do your faith any good people talking like that. See, when you're in Bacca, there's a lot of people who, who, who are going to come along and they're going to talk like that. And it's not going to help you. You need to learn to ignore the naysayers. You know, they, they come along and you can spot them and, they, and they'll say things like, you know, all this face stuff, it just, just doesn't work. You know, people sometimes, it, I, I hear other ministers, I hear other Christians and they'll come along and go, oh, you, you, you don't want to listen to that mark. He's one of those faith guys. Well, I'd rather be a faith guy than an unbelief guy. I'd rather be a faith guy than a doubt guy. I'd rather be a faith guy who believes something than a, than, than a non-faith, unbelieving guy who believes absolutely nothing. You know, it takes a lot of effort to ignore the words of the Bible and end up believing nothing. But people will say things like that. You'll, they'll say, you know, I, I know someone, you know, I know someone and, and he was a believer. And when he was going through this time, when he was going through this time of disappointment, when he was going through his, his own personal backer, he, 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 he cried out to God and he said, God, you know, I, and, and I know he was a believer, but he ended up dead. And then other people say, I know someone and they need his finances. And, and that faith stuff didn't work for them. And they prayed and they ended up bankrupt. And, and people are going to come along and say that sort of stuff. And, and you'll, you'll hear it and it will get to you. What do you do with that stuff? You ignore it, you shut it out and you deny it access. Why? Because those who put their trust in God will always see 
the overcoming victory of Christ in their life. We always go through the valley to the place on the other side, which is the presence of God. We always go through the valley to the place of blessing. And as we're going through, we affect things. You see, what when we hear things like that, when somebody says something like that to me, they're asking me to make a judgment on whether somebody else actually believed God for their particular circumstances that I've got some sort of hazy sketch of, not knowing anything about the person, not knowing anything about what they've been taught in their Christian life, not knowing anything about where they really stand, and the assumption being made that they're the most faithful person you've ever met, but I don't know them. And we don't know them, and yet we're running our life on the basis of anecdotes about other people who claimed that they stood in faith. And the truth is, you see, we either trust God or we don't. It's a really simple equation we have in the Christian world. You either believe what God says or you don't. And if you don't, it won't work for you. If you do, everything in the new covenant works by grace, that which Christ paid for, through faith. So what do we do? We ignore the naysayers. We ignore those who come along and say, where's your God now? Where is he? And we say, I know exactly where my God is. He's alive. He's inside me. He's one with my spirit. Greater is he than he's, he is in the world. In all these things, all this stuff you see around me, everything that I'm going through right now, I am more than a conqueror because my healing is paid for, my deliverance is paid for, my freedom is paid for, my life is paid for, and he has ordained that I would be part of his family, an heir with an inheritance, and blessed to be a blessing to others. And that's the life I'm going to live. Even if all this stuff's around me, that's the life I'm going to live. You know, David heard all that sort of junk when he was going through rough times. You've heard it, I've heard it, and we'll keep on hearing it. The question isn't whether we'll hear it or not. The question is how are we going to respond to it? And the way we respond to it is to shut it out and ignore it and speak the words of faith, speak the Bible, speak what scripture says and and stay in that place. You know, I, I think last week I, I used a phrase that kind of just dropped into my spirit when I was speaking about how I mean, speaking the word crowds out doubt. So we speak the word. We, we go back. What does the word say about you? What does it say about God? And what does that mean for the place that I find myself in right now? And, you know, in Psalm 23, you know, it, it uses this phrase that he furnished a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God can get blessing to you in the presence of your enemies. Those people, all those naysayers, all those people who were just waiting for you to fall flat on your face, God is going to lay on the biggest party you have ever seen and they're all going to watch. That's how this turns out. That's how this comes, comes out. So what do we do? We start talking faith and not defeat. When we're going through this place, when we're going through that experience, we start talking faith and not defeat. You know, and the reality is, in your flesh, you're going to want to talk defeat. You want to, going, to, going to want to talk about all the bad stuff that's happening to you. You're going to want some people who come along and sympathise with you and, and just get alongside you and start digging into the same hole and the same pit as you're in just so they can be more and more alongside you. And you're going to find that at the end of it, you're all sat in the same pit. Nobody, nobody's been helped, but yet we feel comforted. But... 
you know, I don't want to be comforted in a pit that's full of mud and it's raining. I want to be strengthened and encouraged so that I get right out of that pit and I carry on walking right out of that valley. And so the more of us who join together with that attitude, the more of us that join together as encouragers, builders, uh, those who spur each other on, those who challenge each other to face things in faith, those who challenge each other to move on from our past, to move on, go through what we're going through and come out the other side. The more of us do that, the more victories we'll be seeing, the more holes we'll be digging out of and the more valleys we'll be going through to find the better place. So if you're in Baca, don't settle there. If you're in that place, do not settle there. Don't let it destroy you. Don't let it kill you. Relationships. Don't let it mess up your health. Don't let it mess up your finances. Don't let it dictate your future. Remember what David did. You know, one of the, one of the things that you see David uh, do is he, he had a way of speaking to himself. Uh, just go with me to another Psalm. Psalm 3. Just take you to Psalm 3. So Psalm 3, uh, verse 2. Oh, people... Sorry, that's, that's verse Psalm 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield for, shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy hill. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that David did when, when he was going through things, he recognised firstly who God is, what, what God had promised to do from him. He connected to, to the heart of God and he listened for God's voice in the middle of the, the turmoil and the pain he was going through. Um, let me let me just uh, finish this morning with uh, an example from the life of uh, David. You, you, you might remember this story. It's in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And David had been away and he'd been on a mil military mission. He got all these mighty men of valour around him. He'd gone on a military mission, successful military mission. They'd been all been away from home. And he was on his way. He was getting towards home. And he saw that the, the town that, that, that they were coming back to had been burned to the ground and all the families taken captive. Now, that, 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 that's, a, that's a backer experience. That's, that's kind of like you go from this high down to this, like this low... And everything, all the, all, the, all, the, all the people who were close to his heart had been taken captive. And when David and, his, and his, these people called the mighty men of valour uh, who were around him, when he saw, they saw it, they were distraught. And uh, basically, the, the guys that go with this name, the mighty men of valour, they, they ended up crying uh, uncontrollably and they ended up blaming David for everything it's all David's fault if he hadn't done this if he hadn't taken us there if this would never have happened and we had been at home with our loved ones and it's all your fault David now that wasn't uh, 
justified and yet that's what they said to him now it would have been so easy for david to just plunge into misery to kind of give up to fall away under the weight of all this stuff justify unjustified stuff that was being said about him that's back and you've probably been through those sort of experiences where people have just said stuff and they've blamed you for stuff that wasn't your fault and they've said stuff about you that you never did and they've they've made insinuations about you that just weren't true it happens to have everybody that's this backer experience this valley that we go through now let's let's just have a think about if you remember the story how did david respond well um in verse 6 of chapter 30 we find david's response that david encouraged himself in the lord uh, some translations perhaps a more familiar translation these days is that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. That's the thing that that encourages us to do. It's the thing that God is encouraging you to do right now. To encourage yourself in the Lord. And, and so David encouraged himself. Now it's really important we hear that. God did not encourage David. The people around David didn't encourage David. They were blaming David for everything. They weren't encouraging him at all. So David encouraged himself. He, he looked at all good things that God had done in his life. He looked at the promises of God. He looked and he spoke to his own soul. He encouraged himself. He spoke the words of faith. He spoke scripture. He spoke the promises of God. He spoke his covenant promises. And he spoke them where? To himself. He spoke them to his own soul. He spoke them and encouraged himself. Rise up, my soul. Come, my soul, in praise with God. My soul, I'm telling you right now, my soul, God is going to come through. He's going to take us through this. He has an answer to this. And so once he'd encouraged himself, once he'd strengthened himself in the Lord, what did he do? He asked God what he should do next. And God said this to him, and it's verse 6. He said, uh, and I'm just reading it out. Pursue, and you shall surely overtake them, and without fail will recover all. You see, when we're going through that place, when we've, when we've been through that place, God never leaves us there. Why does he never leave us there? Because he never intends us to settle there or for us that to be a permanent place. He intends us to effect it when we're going through it, he intends us to grow in, the, in, in it, but he also intends us to go through and listen to his voice, follow his voice. And so he tells David, you know, go after them and you're going to get back everybody. All those who've been taken captive, they're going to come back. You're gonna, they're going to be set free by you. But, so go pursue them now. Don't just sit there, don't lick your wounds, don't cry, don't be like these guys who were all around you, weeping uncontrollably, blaming everybody left, right and centre. Don't do any of that. Just go, encourage yourself in me, listen to my voice and pursue. And, and so he say, you know, if we find ourselves in that place right now, if we found ourselves in that place recently, if you, if you have been stuck so long and you've settled in the place because of stuff that's happened in your past, stuff that you've been through, circumstances that have gone against you, people who've done horrible things to you, people who've lied, people who've uh, misrepresented you, if you've been settled in that place, if it's become your permanent dwelling place, 
and it, and it's determining your present and it's affecting your future it's time to move out of that place it's time to encourage yourself it's time to pursue the enemy it's time to get up it's time now right now to take courage and move on move on from that place encourage yourself in the lord and listen for his voice be aggressive with your faith speak scripture get out your bible find the promises of god and speak them and pray them and believe them and take steps forward one step at a time and you are coming out of that valley you are heading out of it right now to the place of the presence of god where there's fullness and satisfaction and fulfillment and a new life where all things become new in christ jesus amen so i'm just going to pray for you but first first of all i want to just challenge you i want to challenge you that if you found yourself in that place if you if you feel that perhaps you've settled and, and you've just let your past and, and things that have happened to you dictate where you are right now dictate and it, and it just you, you're just not moving beyond it i'm going i just want to encourage you to start taking those steps i've talked about this morning and if you don't know jesus at all if you if you've never had him as savior if you if you don't know how to get that strength from that only comes through the holy spirit the peace of god the joy of god the the strengthening of god the faith of god if you don't know how to do that if you if you just think, well, I, I just don't know. I, I never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I, 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 I don't know what it would mean to follow him. Well, I want to encourage you to change your mind on that this morning and decide that you are going to follow him, that you are going to listen for his voice and that he's going to become your Lord who takes you through and out of what you're in. So I just if you if you're in that place, I want you to pray with me. Father, just speak these words after me father i thank you i thank you that you gave your son to die for me for all my wrongs all my failings and i ask you to forgive me for everything that i've done wrong but i ask you also to be the lord who leads me forward that you'll take my life you'll give it new meaning new purpose new boldness new courage and that your holy spirit will come to live in me as i am born again so that i can strengthen myself in you amen so if you've prayed that prayer if you've uh prayed it from either of those circumstances i want to encourage you to let us know i want you to encourage you to to give us some feedback uh on 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 how this message is has encouraged you and built you up you can do that by messaging us on on facebook you can do it by uh emailing us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk and we want to encourage you we want to get some resource to you we want to strengthen you but also you know everybody who normally listens to this broadcast whether it's a, a straight away or some people around the country lots of people around the country listen to this uh, during the week i also want to encourage you I, I want to encourage you to put comments right now on 
on Facebook. One of the things about putting comments on Facebook is that it has this strange thing that works with the, the, the algorithm that means that more people get to see what we've just talked about. More people get to get encouraged. More people get to, the, to hear words of life. More people get to learn how to walk in faith. More people get to learn how to come out of these valleys of crisis, pain, dryness, these emotional deserts. It's so necessary that we help people become faith people. And, and the more comments, the more encouraging comments you put on there, apparently it goes to more people. So I just want to encourage you to do that, not just this week, but, but, but each week. And, and finally, this morning, I just want to encourage you we, that, that Cheryl and I, we just love you. We are missing you guys. We're missing you, missing being able to meet with you, missing being able to see with you. It's just not the same talking to a camera. I have to say, talking to a camera is not the same as a flesh and blood human being. Even though I'm trying to imagine you on the other side, it's just so difficult. So I want to, I want to say that we're missing you, but I also want to encourage you. Uh, we love you so much. We're so proud of you. We're so proud of the faith walks that you guys are, are, are taking. We're so proud of how you let the word and the spirit impact your life. And we want to encourage you to keep going this week. So stay connected. Help others grow in faith. Amen. Have a great week, Faith Life.